to another episode of Sighting the Tone, and in our retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today I'll be discussing Season 10, Episode 3, which tells Dear Abby. The episode aired on October 9th, 2003. Lauren, what was going on that week 20 years ago? In baseball news, part of the drought is over as the Chicago Cubs win their first postseason series since 1908, defeating the Atlanta Braves in the divisional round. 1908 to 2003. That's fucking wild. Granted, like, this, that year, or like, this uh, addition of them being in the playoffs was like one of the first times. I think it's only the second time they had been in the playoffs since the playoffs had expanded to, to two rounds. Uh, so like every other time it was like you play the or three rounds. Sorry. Um, every other time before that, it was like you either like the two best teams just went straight to the World Series or the two best teams went to their respective league championship series and then the World Series. This was the first or only second time I think that the Cubs had been in the playoffs since the playoffs expanded to three rounds. Um, so not that many time, not that many opportunities for them to win a, a playoff series, but still like, what the fuck? Like that's, that's wild. Uh, and then we're just not going to talk about what happens in the next round. We're just going to celebrate them uh, yeah. winning this round. And Be totally uh, fine. it was such a great series that they canceled the one after this. Uh, and there was and no world series. This there was year. no, was yeah. Just, uh, just, just, Commissioner's decision. We just don't talk about it. It's uh, it's not a big deal. All right. Uh, after a majority of California voters vote to recall Democratic Governor Gray Davis, actor-slash-Republican Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger is elected governor. And Lizzie, I want you to know, one... Uh, I had to fix his spelling on here. And two, this does not look like a real name. Like I've, you know, we've heard it all our lives, but I've never actually like looked at it spelled. And I'm just sitting here like, that's a lot of consonants. Um, He's just the Terminator. Just call yeah, him the just, Terminator. Just, just call the, him or the, or the Governor. Gover- governor. Yeah, governor. Yeah, yes, thank you. Time. I couldn't think it. Remember the nickname. A much yeah. maligned uh, Green Day B-side single. But in news that will make me happy, School of Rock, the comedy starring Jack Black and Joan Cusack, debuts and narrowly defeats fellow newcomer out of time to take the box office crown. I just watched this recently. It holds up really fucking well. It yeah. is still a delight. It's just it, so wholesome. It really yeah. is. It it ages incredibly well and and has like produced so much positivity. Like I know that I know that's not entire there's there's definitely things especially when you have a movie with that many kids in it, there's always gonna be one or two kind of like sad stories that come out of it you know and this this film is no strength no uh, exception to that but um it was one it's one of those things that like it was charming and beautiful and perfect from the second you first watched it like it, yep. it it was perfect then and it has only gotten more perfect in the 20 years since like it is just and there's no part of it really that ages badly like there's none there's no uh you know yes ands or buts about this movie like you don't have to go like oh it's great except for you know this that i mean it was 2003 you know no like everything about it is like insanely positive yeah. Plus, baby miranda cosgrove yay i guess yeah to some oh. nickelodeon people that'll make it that will be a thing no yeah i mean she she's probably probably the biggest thing to come out of this movie i mean other uh, other than jack black obviously but he was already kind of a big thing yeah for uh, so for me it was really funny uh the guy who plays his roommate is actually one of the writers on it and yeah mike white the, also yeah. the writer of uh, the white lotus uh, yes thank the, you the hottest tv show out there right now uh 
also on my list after I watched The Wire five times to appease Daniel. Um, but no, he was actually on Amazing Race with his father on one of the seasons that Lizzie on and I watched. So that was nice. That was exciting. They got pretty far, too. They did. They did not win, but they got far. And it was very sweet watching them go together. But anyway, uh, Baby Boy by Beyonce f- featuring Sean Paul is your new number one song. Daniel, what else was on? Uh, at 8 p.m., Friends with the episode, the one with Ross's tan. And not to date this episode too terribly, but this is our first recording uh, since the uh, very shocking and tragic passing of uh, Matthew Perry. Uh, of course, one of the one of the six titular friends. Um, and whew, that was that was I mean, is weird. Like, I feel like if he had died, even in the manner he did die, I feel like if he had died a decade ago, people would not have been as shocked. But I think because of the fact that he had just gone through this like very public sort of like redemption tour thing, like he had his like book, his memoir and like his like he had this very like public like reconciliation with his past and kind of all of his addictions and stuff. And uh, so it was very shocking to get that notification the other night that he had uh, passed away. Um, And you've seen all that. I mean, it's like if like we've talked about many times before, Friends isn't like it's not my show really but like it is inescapable in terms of its like cultural impact and so it does feel very weird to me that one of them is no longer with us like it, there is something unquestionably weird and like off about that that i have that, that we now live in a world with one fewer friend like that's just this is what it's like to age yep yeah, I mean, I think I think we all sort of, at least people our age, we all started to collectively go through that in 2016, like when mm. all when all those celebrities, like they, remember there was just like, and that was before even like the election of 2016, really. Yeah, it was like, Alan Rickman, through, David Bowie, right? Like there was this whole like, and and people a little bit older than us were like, okay, you younger people, you do realize that this is what happens when you get older. There does does become sort of this like you know, damn breaking moment where like people that you've been familiar with your whole life just start to kind of go. And um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what my point is with this. It's just like, I feel like it's worth mentioning. Like, even though he doesn't really have any connection to what we're doing, he obviously did have a connection to tons of people who watch that show. And also to probably to a lot of the people who worked on this show, because, you know, never forget that like friends was the next door neighbor to ER. Like they, they filmed like literally a hundred feet away in the next sound stage over. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of the, the people who were on ER behind the camera and in front of the camera were very close to him and, and have a lot of fond memories of working with them. I can't think it was one of the ER uh, cast members from the early seasons who was talking about how, um, he was always really nice. Like when they were working, yeah, in yeah, not, I, I don't remember yeah, either. I can't, but one of them was mentioning like the whole neighbor connection, and just yeah, I, he I was feel always like maybe, really friendly and supportive. Yeah, so I mean, there, there has to be a, a ton of stories like that. Just you know, like I said, working in close proximity with each other. Mm-hmm. So, um, but in any event, we uh, go to eight thirty Scrubs with the episode "My Journey" at nine. Will and Grace with the episode "Home Court Disadvantage." Uh, and at 9.30, uh, coupling with the episode Sex, Death, and Nudity. Uh, alternate title, uh, Lizzie says, don't threaten me with a good time. Uh, this week's episode had an even <laughs> 20 million viewers tuning in, directed by Chris Chulock, doing his 23rd out of 43 as a director. We saw him just last week with The Lost. 
uh, and written by Freed from his uh, clear plastic Loki cage uh, to write this episode, R. Scott Gemmel. Uh, now that we're done with the Africa episodes for a, a little stretch, we can let R. Scott Gemmel out of his cage. Uh, doing his 18th out of 32 as a writer, and the last time we saw him was late season 9 with Things Change. And uh, no Carter this week or for like the next month. We're not going to see Carter for like six episodes. Fine by me. All right, our previously on this week is brought to us by Pratt, and we're going to open with, there's just a lot of chaos going on. We couldn't parse through it all. There's some good stuff here, but uh, Abby is showing around some med students, including one one pivotal face and one face I wish would have done more on this show. On any given day, this emergency department will treat 300 patients. Another 40 will leave without ever being seen. In order to not get buried, you have to maintain adequate patient flow. This all starts with the nurses. Treat them with respect, they'll get you through your shift. Treat them as your own personal scut slaves, you'll be lucky to get out of here alive. Triage is our first line of defense. Patients are signed in and vital for who's ever working the cage. Cage? Yeah, like a shark cage. You can see them out there circling around, but they can't get at you. When's Kovac getting here? This flight's was at 7.30. What about Carter? Can you write this? Triage nurse starts a chart, which is then racked at admit. You need to put your name in for the lottery. Okay, once the patients are brought back, their name is put on the board, along with time, location, and chief complaint. Dr. Pratt is also a second-year resident. Pratt, this is three of our new R2s, Sofin, Morris, Cooper. Welcome to the Dr. zoo. Pratt, what can I give a 10-year-old with painful road rash? Acetaminophen is easy on the stomach, but ibuprofen is better for inflammation. Med students work up the patients and present them to the residents. You can mentor them, but ultimately every case has to be looked at. Ah, I know my rights! He's a battery! Coming back for you, bitch! Yeah, yeah, bring me a latte when you do. Dr. Lewis is one of our attendings. We usually have two working. They have to sign off on every case. Uh, don't remind me. Second year residence, Cooper, Sophie, Morris. Grab a chart. And Abby, could you set up the airway box in exam three so the med students can practice assembling laryngoscopes? Mm-hmm. Nursing orders go there. Clerk orders go here. These are two of our clerks, Jerry and Frank. Please don't feed them. And when you're done, the discharge rack is over here. Any questions? Uh, yeah, why is the board see-through? So we can see through it. Remind me not to get sick anytime soon. Did the ambulance pick Luca up yet? Yeah, about an hour ago. They should be here any minute. Is he gonna need a bed down here? No, no, they got one for him upstairs. Have you seen the new schedule? No. I'm only working four shifts in two weeks. I only got three. How many do I have? Two? We're starting a petition. We got more beds, but fewer nurses. And now Romano's cutting senior nurse hours so he can bring in cheaper travel. You're the charge nurse. You need to talk to him. You lost the triage lottery, Abby. You got the cage from nine to one. Oh, come on. No way. I lose Abby. every time. That's like statistically impossible. Abby. What? So lots going on there. But Ooh. Daniel, please tell us about the two med students or about the two uh, <laughs> R2s. I forgot they weren't med students. Yep. I forgot yes. they're actually like they're, residents. They are residents, yeah. But they're the, yeah. the, the two out of the three that matter because unfortunately, uh, Sofin, the uh, the third one, uh, she's a one and done. We'll never see her again after this episode. Uh, but uh, the lesser, uh, the lesser of the two here, Cooper. He is uh, played by actor Glenn Howerton, who appears in stuff like Serenity, uh, the Blackberry movie, which I'm told is way better than it has any business being. Uh, I think like that was the a phone black, like the yeah. Little- yeah personal like, organize digital it's, organizers it's either about the rise or maybe the fall of that company i honestly can't remember but it was uh it was sort of hyped up i don't know six months ago or so by people whose opinion i trust so um 
Yeah, and I feel like I can't remember what it's like a streaming thing. It was either like Apple Plus or uh, maybe Amazon, something like that. I don't know. Probably Apple or something. Yeah. Uh, but, of course, he's best known for uh, his appearances in the uh, TV series It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which he will go off to do, like, shortly after this opportunity kind of uh, dissolves from underneath of him. Uh, that I show, wish we saw more of his character. That show has been on for, like, a bajillion years and is still going strong. Um, but uh, he's making his first of only six appearances. He will only be with us. Uh, like, he will be gone by midseason. Um, so, and, and like, I think I teased either last week or maybe on the season nine wrap up. I can't remember, but like, he very much feels like the other half of Archie's personality that they just sort of decided would be easier to let Scott Grimes do it all. (laughs) Like, it just seemed like it would be easier to just let Scott Grimes be funny and snarky and endearing, like all at the same time versus having two characters that they had to, you know, split up screen time with, um, but, of course, the other half of this equation, the much more notable half of the equation, is, of course, one Archie Tiberius Morris, uh, played by actor Scott Grimes, uh, who is uh, best known for being uh, the MVP of the uh, Seth MacFarlane extended universe, uh, where he's a, a voice on American Dad. He has appeared on the Orville, uh, and the, as well as the TV series Party of Five that has nothing to do with Seth MacFarlane. Uh, and uh, he is making his first of 112 appearances through 2009, so he will be with us through the end of the show. And I, if, if Pratt is the soul of the second half of the show, like, I feel like it's not too far beyond the question, or not, not too far out of the, the question to, to name Archie the heart of the second half of the show like he is once he gets his shit together once he gets his shit together and like once once the character really reaches it's like you know it's fully evolved form um like he is like he's certainly one of the anchors of the second half of the show like he really is one of my favorite characters and again just like pratt in a, in a much different way but like much like pratt he has a, a really defined and a really well done growth arc as well like he goes from being insufferable for his first which we're going to be digging into over the next you know 10 to 15 episodes at least um and by the end like i'm there's fewer there's probably not very many characters that like people wouldn't die for than archie by the end of the show like dude is uh is a complete 180 from where he starts here in season 10. But then uh, Luca is rolled in and Abby runs to try and get to see him. But Pratt pulls her aside and a man needs sedation. Uh, Neela's pregnant patient's water has broken at 36 weeks. So she has more important things to do than talk to Luca right now. Darn. Uh, Susan steps in to help do a fetal exam. And as that's going on, Abby then runs along kind of in a parallel shot to Luca's gurney, which was really well done and I thought was really cool. Mm. But she's trying to get through him to the through to him via the mess of everything going around. And a med student stops her and says, I think this old lady stopped breathing. Just she cannot catch a break. This is going to be the whole episode is Abby just not getting a fucking break today. And right here we get an amazing just sigh and kind of hair flip from her where she just like does the little puff of hair on her bangs and just fucking Mm -hmm. nobody's happy right now. Uh, And then on that sassy note, we get in with some bangs and good catch Lizzie. Uh, Neela is in the credits now. Whoop whoop. Yep. And uh, we go up to Romano 
who is upstairs getting his new prosthesis prosthetic and uh he needed what he says is a utah arm but his insurance would not cover the robotics i, I can't what it was a bioelectric or something mm-hmm. like that that they refer yeah, to myoelectric or thank something you like yeah that. but so he he gets his uh trademark hook here and is not thrilled about it and daniel you have a note on his prosthesis prosthetist yep. which is a great great term i just you don't hear that very often prosthetist no. prosthetist Prosthe- prosthe- <laughs> prosthetist uh, yeah prosthetist uh, nope, that one's. That's not the one. <laughs> that's uh, not. I don't think that one's it. <laughs> she is played by actress Jennifer Justin, who appeared in stuff like House of Corpses, House of a Thousand Corpses. You know, Ooh. House of Corpses times a thousand, uh, Deep Impact, and The Opposite Sex. And she's making her first of only two appearances as the prostitutes, prostitutes, prostitutes. I don't know. I I was gonna say this. I know Gen T is gonna fucking call all of us out and like do a voice recording in Discord and be like, "You fucking morons." I'm ready for it. Oh, I already laid me. I'm a moron. I do words good. You do words great. Prostitutes, prostitutes, uh, anyway, that's, that's okay. Uh, but then we go over to Abby in the shark tank, and she is being harangued by all of the different patients. I just wanted to get to use the word harangued. Uh, I, this is a great montage of her misery, and I need to note every child here makes the shitty kids list. Just just everyone. We can just put down uh, season 10, episode 3, all the children. I do. Okay. <laughs> you got it, buddy. Unilaterally. I- I do really like the, um, which I'm I'm usually the the big licensed music curmudgeon, and like mm-hmm. I find I find most li- uses of licensed music in the show trite, uh, mm-hmm. and and this one's not exactly like you know deep or anything. I, it, may, it might just be that I like the song, but like I I really like the song choice, and I really think it fits very well for the the montage that they they have here. Um, so because what did they use? Out. Oh God, I can't remember the name of the actual song. Uh, God forbid I should know names of songs. It doesn't even have to be the name of the song. Just like what's you can just tell me like whatever the identifiable like bonk is. I don't care. Uh yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like I know it better by the tune, which is not right. uh, not particularly helpful. Maybe let's see if uh, if oh IMD go ahead and hum it for us, Daniel, and don't edit it out. <laughs> yeah, that'll be that'll be great. I mean, I've I've done weirder. Uh, that does granted that doesn't make it a good choice, but just like dumber things have been done on this podcast. Bill Withers, use me. That was that's the song that they ah uh, okay they use yep. for uh, for the montage. There, it's it's one of those like if you hear it, you automatically know it, even if you don't think you know it. Like it's yeah, it's been used in a million different things. I also like, loved how Abby calls out like. How come I always get it? Statistically, this is impossible that I am always in the shark cage. <laughs> it's like, well, maybe you're the only one actually putting your name in there, girl. Uh, I, either way, the last patient here is a, na- is a girl named Ellie. Is it Ellie or L? L. 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 Uh, she has a really bad cough that she's had for a few weeks, and she's brought back by Abby right away because she has a low oxygen level. And ask Susan specifically to take her take a look at her. I think it might be pneumonia, and the mom's super naggy about Elle not eating enough, going out with wet hair, etc., etc., etc. And Susan asks Abby how Luca is. Abby doesn't fucking know. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, fucking know. I haven't been to see him yet. 
And then we see uh, Lydia and Connie asking Abby if she's talked to Romano yet. Uh, Hasn't had a chance. We'll circle back to that a little bit later. Uh, Abby calls upstairs to ask about Luca when Jillian shows up uh, to and has a has an update. Tells Abby how he's doing. Uh, this is a very awkward exchange between these two, uh, you know, especially since like I had my whole like sidebar thesis about how like uh, Jillian is just kind of the French stand in for Abby in the uh, Africa episodes. Uh, I did so. have a moment where I was like, why does this feel we? Oh, yeah, because they're they both want Luca. That's why. OK, right. <laughs> Took me a minute. Uh, and then she gives Abby the letter that we uh, saw Carter hand off to uh, Luca at the end of last episode. Uh, so we'll find out what's in that in just a little bit. Oh boy, will we? Cause, uh, your boy has the text. So, uh, <gasps> I will be, I will be reading that out. What? Uh, okay. Yeah. So let's get to that quick. Uh, yeah. Abby, go, uh, wait, uh, uh, then, then we, then we do see a quick scene where Romano bursts into a meeting in Carrie's office and swings his prosthetic around like a club, which is a, an excellent scene gouges that whole thing in her table as he's leaving. <laughs> also, I'm, no, I'm not going to ruin the bit. Go ahead. Carry on. All right. So Abby goes out in the ambulance bay to read the letter, and all the nurses say they're staging a walkout. She throws the letter out and goes back in. Frank picks up the letter from the curb and looks and looks at it, because Frank is a nosy bitch who lives for drama. Of course he is. He's a cop. Hey. Um, okay. So was I alone here in mandela affecting this to think that there was in fact a scene where we see abby reading the letter but we hear carter's voice narrating said letter as she's reading it because that would have been super i i didn't have a memory one way or the other but it wouldn't have surprised me i think maybe memory in my head of like that abby you see abby there with the letter unfolded her reading it, and as she's hearing it, we hear this voiceover from Carter reading the letter. You might be, uh, your brain might be kind of mixing what happens here with what happens in uh, the letter. The letter, with, yeah. Where he's actually reading that text. That's Maybe. the only thing I could think of, but. I just felt like there was, I was, I, I the whole episode, I kept waiting for this moment where we were going to get the full letter and get the full explanation and, and kind of put put that final nail in the coffin of, but daniel you found the full letter well i didn't find uh You've... it was posted on the internet for all to see by N- nb fucking c <laughs> like this is on the nbc website like uh and one of our listeners uh was kind enough to point me in the direction of it uh so that i could do this very dramatic reading of the entire fucking oh, thing and it's a goddamn not like it is even even some of our listener responses would be like, all right, wrap it up. Like it's the suspense it's, is killing me. It's verbose. Uh, so are we ready? Are we ready? Yeah. Yeah. Go Here for we it. Go. Hit me. Dear Abby. Hey, says, says the name of the episode wins the episode. Hey. Uh, by the time you read this letter, Lucas should be safe in America and you will probably be wondering why I'm not with him. Spoiler. She wasn't, she didn't care. Why? Who, who gives a shit? Uh, before you go blaming yourself, she wasn't. Don't, don't worry. Like, <laughs> Uh, let me just say, it's not you. It's me. Strong. Strong opening. Starting with a cliche. Uh, and, and I know even as I write this that you're going to think that that's a breakup cliche. See, I said the thing before he did. Uh, but if you could just try and hold back your judgment and your condem- condemnation. Nope, it's already there. For a minute, maybe you will actually be able to understand what I'm trying to say. 
I kind of wish Carter was the one that died in Africa, honestly. Uh, <laughs> oh my science. Okay. Being here has changed me in ways I never imagined. It put it put everything in perspective. County Gamma's death. He spelled out Gamma. Come on, come on. Gamma's death. You, well, me and you. We just had to work so hard at everything. Too hard, you know. When I think back on our last year together, everything appears hazy, muddled. And in the Congo, everything is very clear. That's, sir, that you have malaria. Uh, people are suffering. I can help them. They need me in a way that you don't. Did you just compare your girlfriend needing to, you to malaria patients in a third world country? <laughs> like, like, if you have to be needed on that level by a romantic partner, we have bigger issues. Sorry, carry on, Carter. You're much stronger than you think. You don't need me, Abby. And I don't think you ever really did. We both know we would work better unfettered. My brother in Christ, did you just use the word unfettered in your breakup letter? Also, you shouldn't have to need a romantic partner. Like, the fact that you say, oh, we need each other, that's bullshit. Carry on. I think that at one point you convinced yourself that I was the right guy for you. No, I don't think that's true Bullshit! At all. Sorry, that was loud. I apologize. Reliable and safe. No. no. <laughs> and I don't know. Stable. No. But but I don't think that's what you really... My dude, you shoveled pills down your throat like a year ago. Hey, no judgment to addicts. To addicts. Well, I'm just saying, like, describing yourself as reliable, safe, and stable. After... And trying to seduce your sponsor. Yeah. No. But I don't think that's what you really want. When we were just friends, it was safe. There was a smallpox outbreak. Uh, oh, monkeypox, sorry. Uh, maybe we even put each other on pedestals. I don't know. No shit. And then when we were finally together, it didn't become what either of us thought it would be. I didn't end up being what you expected, and you didn't end up being... Sorry, I'm rambling. There's an actual ellipses in this fucking letter. No, no, you do that You do that with an M dash. You do that with a hyphen and you move on. I gave you as much as I could, but it wasn't enough. Clearly, there were a lot of things going on in your life that were more important, understandably. Eric's disease, your mother. Your life is complicated. He literally listed two things. <laughs> <laughs> your life is complicated. She told you that. And I didn't fit into that mix very well, did I? I tried to help, but then when I needed you, dot, dot, dot. Again with the ellipses. Two ellipses in one letter. I don't know. Here's the, here's the fucking line. Here's the line that takes it just into the stratosphere. The light is dying. I don't want to waste any more kerosene. Throw the, what a dramatic bitch. Throw the whole man away. I don't just into the dumpster, the whole man. I don't know how long I'm going to end up staying here. Don't wait for me. I also want to say thank you. You are still one of the most amazing people I know. Love Carter. Well, that's it. That's our episode. We don't need to cover anything else. That's it. What? All right. Well, thanks for hanging out with us. We'll be <laughs> What an awful fucking just. I mean, and now I guess with the benefit of having heard that like and read that i guess i'm glad that that scene that i had imagined doesn't exist uh because it would have been so much more painful and and excruciating to have to sit through that uh in like a dramatic a, a, a real dramatic context Ugh. 
so that's uh, that's that's officially the end there of uh, Carter and Abby. the The long national nightmare is over, despite the fact that it's been over for months. We can finally put that to bed. Thank God. Yay. Uh, with that being said, we go back to the things that matter with Pratt telling Cooper they need to pick up the pace a little because just shit's falling behind. Coop's like, oh, I've already done six, you know. Morris has this really complicated one, and the other girl who I can't remember has this really complicated one. So Coop's really trying to be a team player here. I like him, but he's doing his best. And then uh, we see Neela working on some sutures, and she's praying over the body more for herself than the patient. Pratt comes over and is like, oh, what you doing? What you saying? What's going on? She goes, it was a prayer. And he's like, I don't think the guy's likely to die. And she goes, it wasn't for him. It was a private prayer. Uh, just like, shut up, my dude. And then uh, Chen stops by and asks her to go funch- fetch a bunch of records from all around the hospital because she's still being icy about what happened before. And Chen then reminds Pratt that they have a spicy dinner tonight and she's going to wear her little black dress. So that's exciting. Cool. Happy for them. And then we see a Coop walks into a trauma where Archie and Susan are working on a patient. And we get the first ever answer to whose films are those because we see them put the film on the board. (laughs) This has never happened in the history of ever. The board was empty and they put something on it appropriately for the right patient. You guys, my work here is done. That's it. We're retiring. That's it. Films are those. I'm done. With the, the question the has answer, been answered. That put, that's the phrase. Thank you. Put up, put up the, the stickers being removed. Right. Put up the put up the picture right now of uh, Lauren's face superimposed over W with the mission accomplished banner in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Just those films are whose? Wait, what? Uh, done and it. then yep. And then unfortunately, as I ride that high of getting the answer, we find out Elle's having heart failure, so they have to go and help her. Um, Abby has been freed from the shark cage, but no one is there to take her place because everybody walked out and Romano asks her if she signed the petition and where everybody else is. And she's like, oh, they're all on their break. Wink. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of a sudden we see Zach Efron jump out of a car bleeding from his abdomen saying he's been <laughs> shot. This character's name is Bobby, but I was just like, holy shit, Zach Efron, Daniel, take it away. Little baby Zach Efron, uh, just decades before he was in, uh, tragically injected with the uh, Hulk serum uh, and inflated to <laughs> um, inflate, inflated to comical muscle man proportions that he is today. Uh, he, uh, of course, is best known for stuff like Seventeen Again, Hairspray, and High School Musical, uh, and being the uh, object of affection for people uh, people about five years, five to ten years younger than me. Like, I I have no, like, Zac Efron interest or nostalgia of any kind, but, like, people that are, like, just a little bit younger than me, like, he was very much their yeah. boy. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is, and this is his, uh, only his second on-screen appearance of any kind. So, like, it's not, not quite a Chris Pine thing or not, not quite, um, not quite in one of those other ones where we're getting like the very first appearance of somebody uh, in anything, but uh, pretty close to his very beginning here uh, with his second on-screen appearance of any kind. Nice. All right. So we go into the trauma with Pratt and Abby working on Zach Efron. He passes out and loses his radial pulse. Abby preps the chest to crack it. And even if Pratt doesn't think they need it yet. And Susan comes comes in and to assist and tells them to get Corday down there. 
We need Corday for her contractually obligated appearance in this week's episode. Oh boy, doesn't she get one? Whoo, boy! But th- this I don't. By the end of this episode, that one's going in her highlight reel. Just let me tell you this. Uh, <laughs> a we'll get ra- there. A rare high point for uh, late stage Lizzie Corday. Uh, but uh, we then go to. Uh, Back out to curtains where Romano is working on a young girl, uh, and the whole time he's uh, examining her, she's just staring at his hook, uh, and he he can tell and is very self conscious about it. So he begs off, and uh, I think he passes. I can't remember if he passes it off. Archie, Archie. yeah, Archie, yeah. Which that's the first time that uh, Romano and uh, Archie meet each other, uh, which will come into play later on in this season. Uh, but uh, we then see uh, Corday assisting in the trauma. Four units of blood so far have been used on Bobby. He's got a faint uh, carotid pulse. Uh, and uh, Abby is really unhappy about the fact that nobody's listening to her. And it's just kind of like, kind of has her own running monologue as she's going through. It's like, yeah, that seems like a great idea, Abby. Maybe we should try that. Like, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's actually really, it's really, uh, really good energy there. Uh, and they do end up having to crack Bobby's chest here. Uh, not great, Bob. Uh, and then we go over to the admit desk where uh, Malik, Jerry, and Frank are gossiping about the letter. And I just love – I don't love that they're gossiping about the letter, but I do love seeing that brain trust in one scene <laughs> together. Like I, I think I got that into the, into this audio. I clip. just love – especially given the context of, of Abe and Ruby, what he said about how him and, De- him and Deezer were really good friends and, like, and with Troy added into that mix, like that was just like a – a match made in heaven with those three. And so like, it was very, very heartwarming to see that trio working together in a scene. So let's get to that audio clip. Uh, that also includes uh Coop sassing Romano about the hook. Hey, what's Carter mean by unfettered? Well, he means, means she's been dumped. Get rid of those nurses. Yeah. They, uh, they went up to nursing administration saying something about uh, hiring a hitman. Hell hath no fury like an RN scorn. Whose patient is this? Oh, she's mine. Well, get her back in bed and use restraints if you have to. Oh, no, it's okay. She's harmless. Hey, can you sign off on a wound infection? No. Go away and take her with you. No, seriously, she's she's cool. I'm Nick Cooper, by the way. Uh, Coop. Uh, I'm a new resident. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize who you were. Uh, do me a favor, would you, Coop? Uh, air rescue's bringing in a bad MVA. Will you go up on the roof and wave in the chopper and make sure you stand right in the middle of the landing pad so they see you? You're Rocket Romano. You were a surgeon. Used to be chief of staff. Still am a surgeon. Yeah, you got scalpel attachments for that bad boy? I'm right-handed. Lucky. So this guy's Let's 10 days out of Let's get a few things straight, all right? Nut meat, one. We don't offer remedial medicine here. Two, you don't talk to me, I talk to you. Three, Should I be writing this down? Stay out of my face! Petition to have the term nut meat brought back into popular lexicon. Like I really, uh, I want to, I want to use that more often. <laughs> I want to, I want to bring that term back. Just that's there's an inappropriate sticker. Just nut meat with no context or explanation. <laughs> just Glenn Howard. Comic Sam. Let's Sparkles. <laughs> How to get Glenn Howerton's attention in in three easy steps. Let's make a sticker of his face with the phrase nut meat underneath nut meat. of it. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. All right, where's the where's the sticker lady we have on retainer? Uh, excuse you, that's Angela, and she is Angela, one of my dear friend's uh, partners. Yeah, you remember. We do have it. We do have her on retainer. Angela, and she basically. is a, and she is a listener. Right. So. I know. You, you remember I forgot her name. You remember okay. Angela? Nut meat? Jeez. Nut, nut, nut meat, they call her. Uh, 
Angela, I'm sorry to you and pass my apologies on to Ryan as well by extension. Uh, shall we carry on? Not before, not before this. Not me. I knew it was coming. Anyway, uh, we're going to go back. Complete tonal hold shift. On, hold, on, to the, hold on, hold on. Okay. Hold on. We, well, we can't just brush past that without talking about the, the unrealized potential of the Coop character. Like, yes. they, they, right? they do yeah. make him look like kind of such a cool cowboy in that they scene. Do, yes, they absolutely do. Like, he would have been really fun to have around, especially with some of the stuff that goes on later, but unsung. Yeah, like I was, I was kind of surprised. Like, I, I mean, I remember that that character was coming, and I remember that that character was around for a little bit, seemed sort of redundant, and then it seemed like they realized that too, and he just sort mm-hmm. of disappears. Um, but like, I didn't remember them ever like giving him a moment where it was like, oh, he actually has some kind of intrigue to him as a character. Like, there's, there's. There's at least something here to to think about. Um, it'll be interesting to see over the six episodes, you know, how we feel about Coop by the end of it, whether it's, like, justified that they kind of let him fade away or if there there was really something more they could have done with that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is... Sorry, reset. This was definitely a strong introduction for him one way or the other, no matter how we end up feeling about him in a couple weeks. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, but now for that inappropriate tonal shift, we're going to go back to the trauma with Bobby, who is still flatlining after 35 minutes. Uh, Corday and Susan throw in the towel, even though Abby thinks they still have work to do. And Susan asks her, hey, by the way, can you locate the family? Thanks. Okay, bye. Everybody leaves. And then Abby, you know, very carefully drapes him in respect after everything happens. Um, damn it, Bobby. Damn it, Bobby. <sighs> And then a man comes in with a twisted ankle and a sore collarbone from falling. He was sanding the hull of a fiberglass boat. And when he when they go to, like, disrobe him to check on the collarbone and everything, the fine particles get everywhere and triggers an asthma attack for Coop. Great. Cool. This can only end well. Speaking of things not ending well, we go back to Elle and learn that she has primary pulmonary hypertension, which, according to Google, is a rare lung disorder causing high blood pressure in the lungs specifically, which is often fatal. Not a very good prognosis at all. They say she won't live past her 21st birthday. And um, we go to Pratt, passing patients off to Abby for nurse requirements because nobody else is there. And we learn Romano fired six nurses. Hmm. And then as this is going on, uh, Pratt's walking away and he says, oh, by the way, I think it's Carter's loss to Abby. So people are hearing the grapevine is being traveled. And then Abby goes in to check on Elle and Elle is looking for her parents because they are not chilling in her room right now. Uh, And then we got Koopies on the nebulizer. Archie draws up some sub-Q epi, some epinephrine to give him. And uh, Neela pushes it, but... She pushes the whole milligram when she was only supposed to give 0.3. Which, why would he pull a full milligram then if she was only supposed to dose the 0.3? That was my pedantic thing. Fair question. I don't know how, because don't Archie. Know how this works. Because Archie. Fair enough. Carry on. So, yeah, way too big of a dose. And Abby stops them from giving him a full strength uh, charge because they need to give him... They just need, he's like he's in a form of V-fib, that they just, but he's awake, so they just need to consciously do do mm-hmm. this and they're like wait we can give you so we can give you some valium before we do this and abby goes to town starting at like goes i think she goes up to like 200 or something before it 
Yeah. I love that she does the first one and then you can hear him wheezing like, value, <laughs> value, and she doesn't hear him and just keeps going. <laughs> yeah, is uh, this scene, but really the a, a big chunk of this episode, not the whole episode, but a big chunk of this episode does sort of feel a little bit like they got a note from the st- from the network that they wanted the show to be funnier. <laughs> like they wanted the show to be more slapsticky. It's taking, yeah, it's back to early season uh, Carter. Kind of, like yeah. like at the beginning of the show where he was a lot of slapstick. But like, I feel like, and maybe it's just because I feel like maybe Noah Wiley was a little better at the physical comedy stuff than maybe Glenn Howerton is. No shade to Glenn Howerton. But like, uh, this just felt much more in tune with something you would see on like a Scrubs to me than... Yeah. Than what I come even even the more the uh, comedic stuff that we've gotten on this show in the past I do feel like this was much more of the like wackety schmackety slapstick variety mm-hmm. that this show not to say that it's never done it but this show usually keeps to a, a pretty bare minimum um I just felt it, like there was a little bit there was definitely more of that dynamic here and I definitely feel like maybe with these two new characters coming in that there was an early expectation that that's the kind of vibe they were going to bring that they were going to bring a more light granted not unfounded as a as an idea because like we've had several seasons in a row here of some pretty like dark depressing dramatic shit so like it doesn't it's not like out of the you know realm of possibility that it might be a good idea to bring in a couple guys to like lighten some shit up around here uh but it was just kind of a jarring like pivot in the other direction of like uh, you know, we were in Africa last episode, and now th- this week we're we're doing the like wackety schmackety shock the guy on the gurdy thing. It was a very stark transition. Just uh. yeah, him him walking around a little bit later with in his gown and everything. It really reminded me of I think when Carter has the flu, and he's yeah. just wandering around with the. Or it's after he d- donated blood or whatever to help out that patient, but where he's just walking around just weak as hell with the IV bag. Yeah, it was definitely very reminiscent of uh, more kind of early, early days type stuff. Um, but uh, we then see uh, Abby telling the nurses that they can't just sit around in chairs. Uh, we find out that Malik and Abby are juggling the whole patient load because Malik is uh, a lower lower tier nurse. Well, this is, I guess, the first time that we really get that established here, that Malik is essentially... He's an a- LVN, I think. Right, which somebody pointed out in the... Um, in the uh, goofs section of uh, the uh, IMDb notes for this show that, or for this episode that uh, in Illinois, he would be an LPN because they don't have LVNs in Illinois. Uh, But uh, in any case, uh, he's basically a a lower tier, cheaper. He's like, they don't come any cheaper than me. So he doesn't really factor into this whole mess that's going on with Romano. Um, And he apologizes about the letter and says that he uh, uh, says that he, found out about it from Jerry. So so Jerry's been the one kind of uh, spreading stuff around. Um, they find out that somebody from the nursing service uh, should help with the nursing load in a few hours, but for now they have a floater nurse named Edna, who is about a bajillion years old and is wearing like an old, either like an old school nurse outfit or like a candy striper. That, like she's written... She does not look like any nurse we've ever seen down here before. She's down from geriatrics. Right. She's down from geriatrics. And uh, she even she has heard about the letter and uh, tells Abby that she thinks Carter is a putz, which uh, is another word that should get used more than it does. Let, let's 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 write down a, a new vernacular for for the uh, for 2024. We got nut meat and uh, putz. Uh, let's let's make those happen. 
And Edna here is uh, played by actress Lillian Chauvin. Chauvin. Uh, she has appeared in stuff like Predator 2, Universal Soldier, and Catch Me If You Can. She had 152 credits dating all the way back to 1950. Uh, so she was at it for a good long while. Uh, and as you might imagine by her age in this episode, she did pass away in uh, 2008. So Edna is no longer with us. Um, we then see uh, Susan asking Abby for... Uh, a bunch that Malik could absolutely do so Abby's just getting dumped on tells Abby about L and the PPH uh, but they won't be a hundred percent sure on the diagnosis until after her tests are done in the ne- in three days uh, and then we see a woman coming in with a flock of little kids needing to go to the children's ward and uh, Abby just decides to take them up and the lady who's uh, leading all these kids around the daycare lady she is uh, played by actress Ryan Michelle Bath 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 who knows uh, who has appeared in stuff like One for the Money, Boston Legal, and This Is Us. All right, and then let's go to our next audio here. Uh, Carrie chases Romano down, you know, just to talk about his outburst. Robert! Well, so what do we owe this royal visit? Do you have any idea who that was in my office this morning? Well, let me see. Do I care? No. That was totally inappropriate. Oh, yeah? I'll tell you what's inappropriate, Carrie. This hospital boning me with a prosthesis that has a limited functional field. I'll develop peripheral neuropathy, overuse Did syndrome. Did you fire six nurses today? Yes. As a matter of fact, it was the only good part of my How'd day. How would you like me to fire you? Well, I've got a uh, handicap, remember? Yeah, somehow I don't think that'd be an issue. Oh, you guys have You fire nice. anyone else, even a candy striper, and you're going with them. Consider this an official reprimand. You are one grade-A bitch. You know that, Carrie? No, Robert, I'm your boss, and as long as I am, you're my bitch. Now get your ass back to work. Fecal impaction and four need some good old-fashioned finger digging. Enjoy. Jerry, can you show them how to get to the Pete's playroom? Yeah. Thank you. What is that? Uh, this is human blood. I had to get the jersey. It was no, it was just the clip that kept on giving. I was like, "Did you cut it yet? Uh, Did you cut it yet?" It really Please is. tell me we're getting this. Had to get the jersey. It's bit. so good. Like, I mean, obviously Carrie is next level good, and then uh, that little girl d- deserves all the fucking flowers for her face acting. As as Romano and Carrie are going back and forth at each other, like she's in the background just doing like the biggest eyeball, you know, acting in the world. And then, uh, of course, the, the I love to the POV shot of the uh, Jerry looking down at the camera, almost in like a fisheye lens where he looks even bigger than he usually does, which, of course, he would if you were a child, like he would look a ridiculous size, uh, just like the literal Jolly Green Giant, right? Like, oh, my God, just what a what a treasure that whole that whole sequence is just what a treasure. So I'm sorry, just the visual is so good. And I love how he's like kind of jiggling them a little bit because they're so unwieldy. So they're make I don't know if you caught that, and maybe I was just hallucinating, but it almost sounds like they make a tiny bit of noise. A little bit. A little bit. But um yeah, so I would just listen to that clip just on a loop when I'm stressed. That would be great. But then uh Abby goes in to talk to Elle, and Elle asks why they had a heart doctor come to see her if she had a cough. And Abby tries to poke her face her questions, because this girl's not stupid. She suspects something's going on. And Abby's like, okay, bye, I'm going to go find your parents, bye. Because uh, Elsie is right through her. So we'll see how that goes. It, it'll be it'll be fine. Fine. 
Uh, oh, here we go. Speaking of things that won't be fine, uh, Pratt is at dinner with Chen, and her parents are there because they were downtown shopping and they wanted to join for dinner. Daniel. Mm. And Chen's parents here are, uh, let's start with mom, who's played by actress uh, Q Chin. Uh, I apologize if I'm not uh, saying that correctly, but uh, she uh, has appeared in stuff like uh, Hamburger Hill, MASH, and uh, also as Ming-Na Wen's mom uh, in the Joy Luck Club. Uh, so a bit of a reunion uh, for those two in this particular scene. Uh, this is the one and only appearance of this actress uh, playing Chen's mother. Um, we have seen Chen's mother, I think, in the past, uh, but it was played by a different actress. Um, so, uh, and then her father here, who we've also seen before, also played by a different actor, but we've also seen this actor before playing a different character. So it's very, lots of ins and outs in this scene here. Uh, dad here played by actor George Chung, who has appeared in stuff like Rush Hour, the, uh, 2003, I think the same year remake of, uh, of Starsky and Hutch, uh, cause... 70s nostalgia in the early aughts. What a time to be alive. Uh, and Austin Powers 2, uh, The Spy Who Shagged Me, uh, which is it? I love that you I had was, to do its Christian name. Well, I, because I had it. It's you, right? Who like weirdly goes to bat for that movie. Like you're, aren't you the one who, or, or is it Lizzie that like the, the it's not. It's my favorite of the three. It's, it's fine. Like, I guess it's better than the third one, but like, it's still, it's. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it all hinges on your enjoyment of Fat Bastard. It really does. Like, yeah. if you can tolerate that character, you, you then you'll have a great time. I just, you know, I'm. Okay. Oh, I'm sure it does not hold up at oh, all. No, but. can't possibly. Although I will say, the first one I watched that uh, not that long ago, and the first one is a fantastic way to spend an hour and a half. Like, with a with enough separation from all the the idiots like quoting it every five seconds, like with enough separation from that, oh. Just chef kiss. Love love that movie. So good. Uh, but George here has 204 credits to his name. As I was mentioning, this is his second of four total appearances. His first appearance as uh, Papa Chen. Uh, but uh, he did also appear way back in season five as a completely different character. So pulling double duty here. Uh, are we ready to be a little mad at Neela? Sure. All right. Uh we're in Elle's room and Neela bursts in while Susan's talking to her and asks like, oh, is this the PPHN case? Because I haven't seen one before and this would be really blah, 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 blah. And Susan's like in the background doing like the head nod, kind of cut the throat motion, just being like, shut up. Uh, and Susan awkwardly tries to deter her from saying anything more and just says, uh, you know, Neela, can I speak to you out in the out in the hall for a minute? And goes out and she goes, she's not a PPHN. She's a girl. Remember that these are people. Like, calm down. And Neil's like, but I just haven't seen one before. And it's like, shut up, (laughs) child, listen. Which is... These are humans. It it is objectively, like, sort of annoying and and irritating to watch at this point. But, like, I like that they don't immediately make Neela, like... I hate this term, but like, like this Mary Sue kind of character where she's like automatically good at everything and automatically, no, not at all. Automatically altruistic and automatically just has all the answers and knows kind of how to behave. She is an incredibly flawed character. Right. So like, I just, you know, I like that they, they put that in there. Like, I like that they let, they let us see that she is, you know, still learning. She's over eager, you know, and that she, she fucks up because of that sometimes. Yep. 
Uh, and Susan yells at Archie for eating a patient's thing. <laughs> She's got a sandwich. She's like, what? The guy's not going to eat. He's not eating He's just it. sleeping off his pain meds. And uh turns out the guy's not sleeping. Uh, he's he's dead. Damn near. Yeah, well, he does have near, a fake yeah. pulse. He was uh, bleeding out from a tr- uh, from a ruptured AAA. Rut row, not great. But I just when I saw him eating that sandwich, like I, I'm just I can't. It's one of those like, it's like when Lucy first showed up, and it felt like this warm blanket of like right? excitement. And I was just like, I'm so happy we have Archie now. <laughs> like I'm so even though I know it's going to be a bumpy road for the first season or so while he figures out you know the finer points of the character and they I'm figures out how to be Archie right. I'm so happy we have Archie and Neela. He's just he's just such a like a, just a warm blanket of a character and I just uh oh, I'm so happy he's here. Um but we then go over to Corday coming down to help in trauma. Two two scenes in one episode? Can she handle that? I don't know if no. it was uh, she uh, tells them to page Dr. Dorset again. I bet you Bet she does. Bet you forgot he existed. I sure did. Uh, we then see Abby taking Elle up to her own room. Uh, Elle talks about her parents coming back crying and asks Abby if she's dying. Uh, you know, just, just locker room talk, you know. Uh, Susan then barges in and asks Malik to wheel Elle upstairs, uh, so that she can get Abby away from, uh, from Elle. She then scolds Susan for not telling Elle about what's going on. And Susan, uh, tells Abby that she's out of bounds today and I'm sure this was the long-term plan all along, but this definitely feels like the episode where they're letting the audience really in on the idea that Abby's not going to be a nurse forever. Mm-hmm. Like this episode definitely feels like a, uh, uh an announcement of well, change for the character. Especially when you have those little kids earlier where it's like, who wants to be a nurse? Who wants to be a doctor? Right. Like that part. It's like, mm, okay. Yeah, like there's definitely a, a shift in tone when it comes to Abby's role as a nurse in this episode. Like it feels like they are very much pointing in towards look with an eye towards the future on like, okay, we're really going to go through with this and we're really going to we're really going to let this character spread her wings. Not that being a nurse is, you know, limiting in any way, but just like in the scope of what they're trying to do in the show at this time, like I, f- I feel like I felt like it was the right decision with Carol. I don't feel like it would have been the right decision with Abby if they'd have just flirted with the idea of making her a doctor, but never actually went through with it. I, I don't know that we would view the character in the same way that we do, you know, 20 years later. Um, I feel like that character needed to become a doctor in order to really, really be the fully realized uh, potential yeah. of the character to be herself. Exactly. Right. And uh, Coop scoots in, Scoots into the trauma with Corday and Dorset. Uh, he's being super. Uh, he being Dorset. Dorset right? Sorry, Dorset. Yeah, yeah, is being super cocky with Archie. And Corday's like, "Oh, you could try a little more teaching and a little less stand up." I so got some just, stand up yep. for you right here, baby. Hey, she's talking about his penis. Yep. Swing. Uh, they go in and cut open the gu- the guy's abdomen and. Dorset rips off the line, anyone can rip a man's heart out, but to fix it without looking. And Corday, oh my god. She her is panties are so... on the floor. I, we could have just left it at she was turned on. <laughs> you heard me. We could have. Mm. I'm the walking intrusive thought. You her, sure her are, baby. Her panties are on the floor. Stop. 
but yes, she is very. Panties on the floor. Stop. She is very much here for this, Could though. Drown a toddler in her uh, in her blue. Oh my god! In her bloomers. Oh my god! Uh, see, I made it British. I, heard, I made it. British. I already had. I already had to step away because I didn't feel good. <laughs> Don't make this worse. Uh, oh, okay. But it's our mission every single week to make sure you rip off your we, headphones we have at least n- once. That's fair. We have not had a good headphone rip off day in a while. So yeah. good job, you guys. You both did it. Uh, so you think about Corday's wet panties. Stop. Move on. Stop. <laughs> that, was, that was another good Lauren soundboard edition. Stop. <laughs> Stamp. Uh, but anyway, Jerry and Frank are then arguing over the desk with Neela in between them when Gallant shows up. And it is so funny to watch tiny little Neela there as these two <laughs> gigantic men are like bickering over her. And uh, Gallant shows up and I love his little facial hair. Looks nice. Looks I mean, looks a little more grown up for a new season. And uh, Romano's like, oh, what's the letter say? And Jerry goes to read it and Abby yanks it from him. And at this point, we learn all the nurses got 90-day suspensions. Daniel? Oh, so it's come to this. Uh, this is where this is the point where they come actually to the desk and inform Abby that they've been given 90-day suspensions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah. So this scene right here, this scene right here marks the last appearances of both Yosh, uh, Connie, and for all intents and purposes, Lydia as well. Even though, yes, Lydia will be returning to make a cameo token. And like, you know, it's very sweet and it's very nice and it's very poetic. But let's not pretend it has any substance to it. You know, like she's she's there to make a glorified cameo in mm. in the series finale. Um, we have come to the end of, uh, you know, a, it, at least with Connie and Lydia, two of the biggest parts of kind of that second tier infrastructure of the show since the very they go out with that much of a wet fart right that's the thing like i find that so interesting and and sad honestly like i don't know how else to describe it like i I mean i always knew this was coming and i always i always knew this was how the story ended but like i didn't remember that i didn't remember that a it was so lackluster and so sort of just like okay i guess we're gone now and I also didn't remember that they had been so dramatically minimized by the time mm-hmm. they did finally say, okay, I guess we should be glad that they even bothered to do this because like, remember we said it, I think in the season 10 premiere that like Connie actually gets in a lot of face right? time in that episode. That was the first time in a long time we've seen Connie like do much of anything. And mm-hmm. Lydia had been pretty, you know, sparse and even, and Yosh as well, who, you know, Yosh, despite not having the longevity of Connie or Lydia has certainly was no less of an integral part of, again, that kind of second tier infrastructure cast member of like, yeah, he was never in the main credits, but he was always kind of there. He was always providing those kind of, you know, support type scenes and support type dialogue. And like, he was, he was no less, I think an integral part of the Mm -hmm. fabric of the show. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm interested. It's interesting to me, anyway, that they chose to do this like great culling of the nurses now versus doing it in like season five or six when the show when the cast was at its most bloated um, and screen time was at such a premium. Like you had the the cast was probably was never bigger than it was back in like season six. 
when they could barely fit them all on the poster. And yet, you know, all these nurses were still technically part, of, even though they might not have appeared as frequently, they were still part of the ecosystem of the show. And now that they've kind of thinned out some of that herd and they've pulled back on a lot of that stuff. I mean, yes, I know they're adding, you know, Neela and they're adding Archie and they're, they're going to add Linda Cardellini here very soon. It's that, you know, so it's not like they're like overly dialing it back on cast size, but we're certainly not at the level that we were a few years ago. It seems like a strange time to choose now to be the time where it's like, well, we got to get rid of all these secondary characters. I wonder if part of it is because they know they're bringing Sam on. And since she's going to take such a kind of integral role as one of the major nurses that maybe they thought, Oh, Sam can take on a lot of the weight of like the Passover lines that we would be giving to these other three or four characters and not have that could be, it could be. Yeah. It it, it could very well be it. I have to wonder too, if, if maybe I, maybe I'm, you know, getting ahead of myself here, but I have to wonder if maybe budgets are coming into it as well. That like, you know, as as there's putting more money into like effects and cinematography and as the show's audience is starting to ever so slightly shrink, you know, like we're at 20 million this week. We've, we've been hovering around anywhere between 18 and 22 million, which are obviously by modern standards incredible. But like by the time, I mean, these are down from 35 million and trending downwards. So, you know, maybe they don't have the blank check that they did in previous years, and maybe they need to make cuts in certain places to try to facilitate other goals that they might have. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just it feels unnecessarily abrupt, and it feels like unnecessarily dismissive of these characters who do did and do mean a lot to the fabric of the show. Like, Connie had a whole episode built around her in season two or three, you know, when she had mm-hmm. her baby. Like... Lydia, you know, Lydia is the first voice you hear when the show starts. Like, it's it's crazy to think that, like, these characters are just not going to be here anymore. You know, and R.I.P. our favorite thirst trap. We hardly knew you. <laughs> right. Yeah. That we're not going to get any more like Ellen Crawford in the background, like eyeball acting. Right. You know that. And and it honestly, honestly, like I, I've been thinking a lot about this, like when we interviewed and, and we've been blessed enough to have interviewed two out of these three. Also, another thing is that I, f- I completely forgot that uh, Lily's not in this group. For some reason, I thought Lily got roped into this as well and that she was gone. But Lily and Chuni and Hale, will they all survive. And they, they will be with us through most of the rest of the show. But Yosh, Connie, and Lydia get the axe here. Um, but I, I'm reminded of when we interviewed Connie that... And I thought she was just referring to it in the fictional sense of like what actually happened on the show because she she we were talking just about like you know the history of her time on the show and blah 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 all this other stuff and like she says yeah you know we did we did xyz and this that and the other she's like until you know they fired our asses and i at the time i remember laughing because that was such a chaotic you know interview and that was such a like like i i remember thinking like oh yeah you know like she that's cool like she she remembers exactly how we both did yeah like we we all did that but now i'm thinking about it and i'm like oh i think i think they really did get fired like i really think they just told them like i mean obviously i'm not saying that they all went in they were like hey we don't need your ass anymore you're fired but like they were sort of told like hey we don't we don't think we're going to be using your characters anymore so we're going to let you go and it's uh it's just a bummer it's just a bummer like we've we've enjoyed you know the wave high to yosh and like you know 
just all of it. Like, I'm just so sad to see these characters go and to see them go in such an underwhelming way, too, mm-hmm. where it's just kind of a hand wave and a, you know, blah, blah, blah. Goodbye. I could have sworn it was a bigger walkout. Than Me, that. too. I could have. Sw- but again, I could have sworn there I never- was a more like a theatrical, like you're fired from Romano yeah. kind of thing. And it's, it's, yeah. it's now just we have not to that. wave bye to Yosh instead of waving, waving hi to Yosh. Everybody wave bye to Yosh. It's such a sad note to send them out on you know and it's it's gonna suck in like 20 weeks when we go through our recap and we go oh yeah that sucked yeah. does this count as a bob since they were technically no. suspended and not well, fired eh, maybe I, well I have to, we, we have to let the rest of the season play out because I honestly yeah. don't remember if there's ever any like verbal even though we may not see their faces again if there's ever any verbal sort of confirmation that they like oh been picking up their checks or whatever yeah yeah because I did confirm, like, with both Yosh and Connie, their final listed appearance is this episode. Lydia, of course, has an appearance, air quotes, in uh, the last episode, season 15. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I- I'll be interested to see if there's any sort of follow-up on this the rest of the season. With that being said, let's go over to something very uncomfortable. Uh, we go over to dinner with Chen and Pratt and family and... Dad's like, oh, I hope you don't mind that we ordered off menu. And then they start speaking in Chinese. And Chen's like, don't be a dick. Speak English, please. That's rude. And uh, they're like, oh, you know, five bucks. He won't eat what, what we ordered or whatever. And then mom starts talking about Chen coming back with them to China to learn her ancestry. Because it's so important to know where you've been to know where you're going. To which Pratt goes, oh, Confucius? And the mom's like, no common sense which like he's try he's trying so hard but oof yeah like <laughs> i kind of get miss. both sides of that a little <laughs> bit like yes he yes he's trying but he's also being a little bit just re- reductive like yeah oh a chinese person said something it must be a confucius quote like yeah 100 little, little reductive on his part yep uh but with, then we see romano and lizzie at admit uh Romano fashion watch uh, cute shirt on Corday <laughs> Romano then steps away and Dorset starts to flirt with her uh, and uh, Romano it kind of does the uh, you could almost hear Charlie Brown sad music playing as uh, <laughs> as he's watching this happen uh, and as, after they leave he goes off into the trauma room takes off his stethoscope jacket and uh, prosthetic and uh, then just fucking Hulk smashes it through the trauma room window. That poor trauma. We really should have been keeping. Yeah. We should have been keeping a tally all these years of how many times that fucking trauma room window has been broken. Because it's got to be at least five or six by this point. See, this is why they have budget issues. They keep breaking the goddamn keep, windows. In right. The fucking that's not VR. a. That's an unconventional window shape. You know that can't be cheap to replace. Uh, but uh, we then go back see Chen and Pratt after dinner, talking about her parents wanting her to find uh, wanting to find her a husband in China. And this is where Pratt says, uh, tell him to relax. It's not like we're getting married or anything, uh, which is uh, not what Chen wants to hear. Uh, she's not pleased with that and uh, goes to get in a cab and tells him, I'm sure you'll find yourself a new bang buddy and uh, gets in the cab without him. And uh, based on uh, Aaron's listener response here, I'm told this is the end of uh, Chen and Pratt uh, as a pairing uh, in this moment here. Bummer. Again, don't remember. Don't Fun really facts. remember. But. Uh, I was Pratt in a situation in college when I was uh, date when I was dating a girl, and this is why we broke up. 
Lizzie. She dumped me. I love you, but everything I've everything you've told me about college and pre-college Lizzie makes me so glad I didn't know you until <laughs> after you were done with school. Because dear God, woman. I mean, it was just a, we were just like walking through IKEA, and <laughs> like no, because she lived near because she lived near IKEA in w- Schaumburg. Oh, I want to go get meatballs. Germany, Schaumburg. Yeah, and. <laughs> She and she needed a uh, she needed a new desk, so I was going to help her with it. Is that is that so, uh, Illinois Schomburg? Yeah, German, that's a that's a Carla joke. Never mind. Yep. <laughs> Germany. Sorry. Germ- it's okay. Germany. Hamburg. Yep. I got it. Uh, I got it. Yeah, bringing that uh, back from the dead. Woo! But not Carla. Um, by the by the Woodfield Mall. But yeah. So, I have been Pratt. It's was it's very it's. Once and once I got broken up with, I was like, "Oh, that! Oh, that was my mistake." <laughs> so what I mean, I didn't realize it until a couple oh. weeks later when we went. Hey, Lizzie. Like, oh, that was the beginning of the end. There. I'm proud of how much you've grown as a person. <laughs> Not that much, dude. Uh, enough. All right. Well, uh, shall we go on to the speaking of bang buddies? Let's make me uncomfortable. <laughs> Get it done with. Let's uh, let's rip the bandaid off of uh, Lauren's anxiety here, uh, where we go to <laughs> go to a real steamy scene between Dorset and uh, Corday banging it out in the car. Uh, and uh, what was is Dorset's line here of a uh, yeah? Thank God I got you a decaf, which is whatever you know. Like the scene itself, though, like damn, <laughs> it's like goddamn. Right, I have Corday. to apologize to Lizzie Corday. I wasn't familiar with your game. Like you, like you. <laughs> this is this is so above peeling an egg in front this, of Peter Benton. Right. Like this is this, this yeah. is this is the this is the Lizzie that was dating Benton. This was the fun, carefree Lizzie that we had at the beginning of her appearance. This is this is like Get this it. is like Jordan coming back to play for the Wizards. Like he had nothing left to prove, but he did it just to prove to you that he could. Like he just wanted you to know that he could still fuck him up. Like that's. That she looks really fucking hot. Right. The, yeah. In a that, car. The, the whoever's job it was to. It does look warm. Whoever's job it was to work the spray bottle, in that scene, was <laughs> earning their money. Like that person was like, I'm gonna spray the hell out of these people, because that looks so sweaty. That whole scene. Uh, but yeah, shout out to uh, Lizzie Corday. You know. Yep. It's about about goddamn time. Ha- very happy for her. And let's go to our last audio here. It's basically the end of the episode. There's one little brief thing after this, but uh, Abby finally gets to go up to see Luca. He left. What are you doing? Yeah, I need to stretch my legs. It's good to see you. Look great. You look like hell. <laughs> Too much partying on the plane. So? So? So I met Jillian. She seems some. Yeah, she is. <laughs> Must be nice having a private nurse. Did she give you a letter? <clears throat> Did you read it? No. Well, you're the only one. I think he wanted to try and explain why he stayed. He saved my life. It's different over there. It changes you. 
I think Carter found himself. I didn't know he was missing. <laughs> He's gonna be okay. I don't talk about Carter anymore. I think it was doomed from the start. I'm glad one of us had the courage to put it out of its misery. It feels strange to be here. I think maybe I've changed too. Well, change is good, right? I think I'm way overdue myself. I hope he hasn't talked to you into helping him escape. Nope. You need to take these and get back in bed. Still warm. I'll, I'll stop by tomorrow. Okay. It was really nice to finally meet you. You too. I'm glad you're back. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. This is, yeah, great. This is a great scene between these two. Like, and I love that this isn't necessarily like where we're going right away. Like, they're still gonna they're mm -hmm. still gonna let this slow burn, and like they're still gonna let this simmer over the next couple of years. Um, but like, I can't think of another pairing <laughs> that on this show or maybe on any other show that they've gone to such extreme lengths to re-emphasize that it's over <laughs> between a, a, a two characters. Like it feels like we've been told no less than like five different times just in the last like handful of episodes. They're like, Oh, by the way, this relationship is over. Just so you know, we're not, we are ending the Carter and Abby pair. It feels like they're doing everything, but like holding up the flashing neon sign to just be like, this is over. We are moving on. Like, I just uh, that was a fun experiment, yeah, right? Like, yeah, like it just feels like they really have to. Like, I, I really can't think of another example on this show. Like, the only other one I can think of, and even that pales in comparison, is Carol and Shep, where like they remember they brought him back for that weird, <laughs> that weird awkward scene the next season where it was the softball game, yeah, or where he's where he's with another woman just so that they could reemphasize the point of like, no, 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 they did actually break up, and this is we're moving on. That's the only other one I can think of that like even approaches this and it's pales in comparison. You know who I randomly miss? I miss Tag. Yeah, what's that's what's, that's just a weird What's that guy doing in two thousand three? You know? Uh um, who knows? Him, but, him uh, and his bag to wrap, of sex toys. Oh yeah. But to wrap this up, uh music is playing over a scene of Abby going into Elle's room and telling her what's really going on, which I love that it's right after Abby essentially does like, oh yeah, change. I could use a little of that myself. And she's like, okay, I'm going to go and take some agency over everything and just goes and decides to tell the patient what she thinks is best. Am I wrong in thinking this episode's good? Nope. No, it's good. <laughs> it's just, okay. <laughs> I think it we've been so... Weird to say an R. Scott Gimmel episode. Oh no, right? I keep saying, I keep saying that one of the most underrated growth arcs that we're going to experience <laughs> is going to be the R. Scott Gimmel growth arc where the early episodes of his are some of the worst fucking most immature dreck. And like he's actually justice for Mister Whiskers. He's actually learning. Like in you can watch his growth arc as he's learning how to be a real writer. Like it's honestly impressive, and I feel like we're gonna we're we're gonna have a very different opinion of uh, Mister Gemmel by the time we get to the end. Uh, but no, I think this episode is really solid. I think it does this like Lauren said earlier. This feels like a, an old school episode. This feels like an episode that, and I think it's no no coincidence either that it's it's an episode that reestablish or or starts to establish Abby as 
less of a romantic interest and more of mm-hmm. and more of her own brand of central character. Like yes. Abby's setting her up for seasons eleven right. and twelve to like become doctor. Right. She's not going to just be the main character's girlfriend anymore. She's going to be her own thing and she's going to be even even better and and more developed than she was before. And I feel yeah. like this episode is is kind of the, it's like I said it may not have been the episode that they decided this, but it's definitely the episode that they decided to share that little tidbit with the audience. Well, at this point, they have to know Linda Cardellini's coming oh, yeah. in I w- I very soon. So. so you want to have, so you want to, you got to clear the log jam, differentiate Abby and yeah. Sam. And I and I would think because there's cut from the same. Yeah, archetype. I would think one probably followed the other. Like I would think it was probably they decided probably between seasons that they were like, okay, we're gonna go through with, you know, we're gonna dust off the old Carol storyline. We're gonna. We're going to actually go through with it this time and we're going to make Abby a doctor, which leaves a gape, especially if we're going to offload a bunch of longtime secondary nurses. This creates kind of a void that we need to fill air heretofore, you know, ergo Linda Cardellini. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I love and I love when you can see those those chess pieces getting shifted on the board. And I, I love how you can see, you know, them bringing in a Scott Grimes and a Glenn Howerton as kind of, again, that injection of wackety schmackety that the show has kind of desperately been missing in the last few years. We've been, it's been a very dark few years, really the last time we could consistently have stuff like that season four, like season five's got Clooney's departure in it. So there's a lot of, lot of darkness there. Season six has the stabbing season seven's got Mark's thing. Season eight's got Mark's death. Season nine's got, Carby, you know, like there's just there's a lot of darkness over the last five (laughs) years. And so, like, it's it's I think imperative that they try to go back to their roots a little bit and and make this more just a a show about people at work. Make the ER the main character again. And um, that feels weird to say in the episode where they're like jettisoning, you know, some of the longtime secondary people. Um, But I think it's it's one of those episodes that like does a lot of like we we've said before a lot of world world building you know mm-hmm. it's it's doing a lot of it's laying a lot of groundwork and a lot of foundation for it's, the show moving forward it's definitely a good season setup yeah that's got a lot of good funny yes. bits too yeah lots of good frank and jerry stuff working together yes um you know i good malik nonsense right there's there's a lot of good lot a lot to like in this episode um and i'm just I'm just it, it definitely again like I know I made that comparison last uh, at the end of last season that that felt like season four and it was that awkward transition <clears throat> season five where we started with Abby or uh, with Lucy coming in and with season 10 starting with Neela coming in like I'm feeling that same sense of enthusiasm like I'm feeling mm-hmm. that same sense of hope and excitement and just like everything feels new and fresh and exciting and I know it's not going to reach those same heights that we got in season five but I'm still hopeful about it. You know, I feel like my, I feel like my scale, my relative scale is so much different too, because like season nine was such a fucking bummer that like, I'm just, I'm ready to take whatever season 10 is willing to give me. And, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm just enjoying the ride as we go. I'm still living from the high of our season nine wrap up. Honestly, that's going to keep me going for a long time. Shall we? I say seven, seven seven and a half. Yeah. yeah, I think think that's fair. I think eight is totally warranted. I think it, there's very little in this episode that I would look back on and be like, yeah, I would cut that out. Like, 
Nope. And which is the Pratt and Chen stuff. The Pratt and Chen stuff is just. I don't. Just sort yeah, of there. Yeah, and, and that is, I guess, the one blemish because I feel like they're breaking them up for no reason. Like, I exactly. feel like there was more to be mined there, and they could have done more with that pairing. If if this tr- if Aaron is right, which let's be honest, of course he is. Uh, but like, <laughs> if Aaron's right and this is the end of it, that feels unfortunate. Like that feels unfinished. That there could have been yeah. a little bit more to that. Uh, been there. Yeah. In 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 an IKEA in Schomburg, as it were. Uh, but, uh, should we, should we go into what the listeners, uh, wanted to say, Lauren? Yeah, sure. Daniel, we have a lot of these, so I might tap out, but we'll see what I can get done. Y'all, y'all came like, I was trying to think of a good word, but they were just going to make it awful. Y'all showed up for this one and I'm very happy for you. Thank you so much. Uh, first off, we have Diros N and says, this is the, ep- the episode for me. I love this episode a lot because you can see that Abby makes her resolution to move on from everything and finally grow up and become herself. It is wonderful to watch how from here she really blossoms. I also love this episode because back in the early 2000s, I was already an ER fan, but in my country, ER was broadcasted dubbed. I liked it a lot, but then I got cable and wow, this was the first episode that I could hear the real voices in English, so I appreciated better all the cast's performances. Final note, the scene where the old nurse tells Abby that Carter boy always makes me laugh. Uh, Heather Heather R. says, If he hasn't already, I'm sure Daniel is rejoicing about the final nail in this coffin. Daniel has the biggest grin on his face, everybody. And I just really love this episode because it's a huge focus on my girl, Abby. Hooray for favorite characters. I even liked the triage montage with her showing the glamorous life of a nurse. I love one one of the bloopers from this episode where Abby walks away and is supposed to throw the letter near the garbage can to miss it, but it goes in, so Frank just says, perfect, before she realizes, (laughs) turns around, and asks, did it go in? Uh, On the letter, it kind of seems very Carter, very fitting to officially break up with Abby in a letter. Here, Luca, I know you're practically died and are headed for a long trip back to the States to recover, but would you do me a solid and give this breakup letter to Abby for me? Thanks, pal. I was so bummed for Abby that she didn't get a chance to see Luca right away, but their scene later made up for it. I just loved their connection. Luca, bless his heart, tries to explain and cover for Carter or whatever to make Abby feel better, but I love her response about how both Abby and Carter knew it was over, it was doomed from the start, etc. I'm glad one of us had the courage to put it out of its misery. Did Daniel write this part of the script? Smiley face. Although her asking for her key back before seemed like an ending too. And of course Luca didn't read the letter. You're the only one. Well, no, the audience hasn't seen it either. It always kind of bugged me that the viewers didn't get to see the letter at the end even, but I'm sure that was the point. And yes, I know it's obvious what's in the letter. Oh, and also Weaver getting up in Romano's face like that. Chef's kiss. I mean, if they were going to go with the sanctimonious text that I read, like I honestly, it's better that they didn't spell that out. <laughs> like it's honestly better that we didn't get a dramatic reading of that on screen. All right. We got three more guys. Y'all can, I, I'm so proud of how thorough everybody was this time. Uh, at simply swooning says, Ding dong, Carby's gone. Even if it goes out in the most carbiest of fashion, that's a word, uh, it's over and just like CD players, it's not coming back. But more on that later. 
Susan is almost more annoying to me than Carter this episode. Almost. She knows just how capable Abby is and the disrespect she gives her, though it might be totally in, it might be totally in her purview is completely annoying. Next, fucking Frank. You didn't have to do Abby like that. Like, seriously. Next, I think Zac Efron is great here, but I don't think I had a clue he'd blow up the way he did. Luke is back, and in more ways than one. Gone is the season 9 anomaly, and he's got a new lease on life. But more on that later. And he likes Carter now. And of course he didn't read that letter. He's one of the few people in that place that can keep his mouth shut. Side note. I really want to see a picture of Goran Viznik's parents when they were young, because what kind of gorgeous do you have to be for your son to have professional makeup artists make excellent attempts to make him look the absolute worst, and he still looks like that? But I digress. He's still too sick for us to see how his time in Africa has changed him as a doctor, but that's coming. One thing that hasn't changed, though, is dude is still so obviously in love with Abby. So the rest of this season has a big, huge question mark on it, but more on that later. Daniel, you want to read us out with these last two? Uh, At Microplastics804, it never really felt like ER knew what to do with Jingmei Chen, so imagine my complete lack of surprise when my spidey sense that this season was setting up her eventual (laughs) exit for real this time turned out to be correct. About that dinner, though, I keep going back and forth on whether that was a setup on her part. If Mm. it actually was, my older self thinks that was an extremely uncool thing to do to your partner. But on the other hand, as someone with a very similar parental situation, a girl's got to do what a girl's got to do. Based on what we know about her family, there was never going to be a good time for them and Pratt to meet if she really thought there was a future there. However, uh, as Aaron said, I love how I pull these that sometimes... We always do Aaron last. It's fine. Uh, I'm not sure uh, where she got the notion that their relationship was serious. They both had some growing up to do. Chen and Pratt went through some intense stuff together and probably really did care for each other, but I'm going to chalk it up to the potentially right person, absolutely wrong time trope here. Too bad we'll never know. And last but certainly not least, at the full-time dad, uh, in the grand scheme of things, Dear Abby is such a crossroads episode with so many major introductions and farewells. We say hello to Archie Morris, whose opening scene was so nondescript that I'm not surprised if no one put much stock in it (laughs) during the first go-around. We say hello to Coop, who just felt like he was going to be with us for a while, but of course we know he moves to a place that's always sunny. That is a really great point, that if you you were to ask somebody coming out of this first episode who's going to be with us for 100-plus episodes through the end of the series and who's going to be gone by mid-season... They really do telegraph that Coop is going to be the one that's going to stick around and Morris is a total dispense. I'd be curious to ask Jake, except we've hinted at Morris as a name so many times that I I don't think we'd be able to get that genuine. Yeah question from like, him. I, but I'd still be curious. I, I cer- yeah, it's certainly, I mean, just based off of this episode alone, it does not seem like Archie is the one that's going to make it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, we say hello to Elizabeth's groove, which she apparently gets back. Uh, oh my, does she get it back? Much to the dismay of Rocket and his prosthetic hook, neither of which take the news very well. But we all, Jesus, but Aaron. we also say some major goodbyes. Goodbye to Chat, my ship name for Chen and Pratt. Now I'm trying to think if there's a better one. Not really. No, yeah. that's Ch- that's going to uh, be it. Though I got to be honest, I don't understand what gave Chen the idea that their relationship was going anywhere, given that Pratt was practically dry humping Neela's leg an episode ago. Uh, that was two episodes ago, sir. Uh, check your facts. Uh, we mercifully stick a fork in Carby, which is as done as an overcooked chicken. Uh, but we also say goodbye to yet another major piece of ER fabric. Nurses Yosh, Connie, and Lydia for a while. 
Uh, when you combine that uh, that with the death of Doc Magoo's, the ER's renovation, and the impending departure of Randy. Remember Randy? Holy fuck. Like, I forgot about that. That, like, it, it almost feels like Randy's already gone, but she's... Yeah, I didn't even... She's not. Like, we, we do still have, I think, one more appearance of Randy, and I cannot remember if it's this season or next, but it's coming... Sh- it is coming soon. Uh, the, the changes <laughs> are coming fast and furious. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us today. Uh, I'm having a brain moment, so (laughs) we're just going to keep this short and sweet. Uh, Thank you all very much for listening. Uh, We really would appreciate your support at patreon.com slash Podcast, where you can get some free stickers, bonus podcasts, and more. Um, Other than that, we will see you next week. We love you all. Bye. Bye.